Welcome to Bible Studies for Life Adult Podcast. I'm Lynn Pryor. Chris Johnson is with me as my co-host. And Chris, uh, thanks for being with me for yet another podcast. Well, it is a delight to be here. It's a beautiful day and uh, always fun to talk about Bible Studies for Life with you and our guest. Yes, Brian Gass is with us. Brian is the content editor for our adult resources. But Brian, you've had a change in things since the last time you were on our podcast. You have added something to your name. You are now Dr. Brian Gass. So congratulations. Yeah, they actually put it in the bulletin at my church now, too. So I guess it's official. <laughs> Dude, it was a long time coming. How long did you work on that thing? Oh, goodness gracious. We were working on it the whole time we were on the mission field. And uh, then I had a couple more seminars to take. My wife started nursing school and then I had a dissertation to finish. So it was a good decade. Yeah, so let, let's be clear. You're not a slow learner. You just had life. <laughs> life entered the picture, too. So correct. Correct. Well, well I God, commend you, man. I'm glad. I'm proud of you for sticking, sticking with it and getting it done. Yes. Well, you guys raised the bar for me, so I, I tried to meet it. <laughs> well, Dr. Gass, we are glad that you joined us for this particular podcast. Thanks. Glad to be here. So we are uh, in the middle of a study on the seven churches in Revelation uh, that were found in Revelation two and three, uh, that the um, the unit that we're talking about is called the church that God desires. So we're learning things from uh, these seven churches that John wrote to, and today we're going to talk about the church at Pergamum. All right, and so the issue we're going to focus on is is compromise. Or more specifically, the fact that we do not need to compromise. We, in fact, we've titled this just Uncompromising with the Truth. And we're going to look at this church of Pergamum as a church that um, had done well in some areas. It, it, once again, they're commended for many things, yet there was some compromise going on. Uh, let's kind of get up to speed. Let's, let's get the context. Of let's, uh, what's unique about Pergamum as opposed to the churches we've already looked at? Well, sounds like a very interesting place. Uh, says a lot when a city, about a city, when Jesus chooses to urge the church to be conquerors for his sake in that place where Satan's throne is, right? There you go. Uh, so uh, gives you a good excuse for um, fighting the fighting hard. Um, looks like as far as geography goes, the city was way up high. And uh, so the, the word means tower or citadel. I kind of think of devil's tower uh, <laughs> when I think of it, but I'm sure a whole city wouldn't fit on top of there. But uh, it was it seemed to rival Ephesus and Smyrna in its beauty and wealth. Um, but it was especially famous for two things. Uh, this great library with 200,000 parchment scrolls, I guess, second only to the library in Alexandria, Egypt, yeah. that we all are more familiar with. Um, now, now, is that the library that uh, the emperor gave away? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good question. I don't know. But uh, as I was reading about the parchments uh, that were developed there, I th it, it sounded a lot like Nashville as a publishing center for that part of the world. Um, but then also, uh, it was an important medical center um, containing a temple and spa, 
that were dedicated to the Greek god of healing, Asclepius, um, whose name we don't say all the time. But that also made me think of Nashville, you know, with Vanderbilt and uh, and all of the insurance companies and everything around here. So we probably had a lot in common. <laughs> all right. Well played. Well played. This uh, we've noticed that there is a pattern to John's writing uh, that he will he will mention some things that jesus will say to the churches where he'll say um i know what you have done i know this about you and he will talk about some positive things about the church and then he'll say but i have this against you and and has some not so good things to say about that so i just want to remind you that that pattern's there and we'll we'll talk about those specific things when we get to uh the verses the specific verses that that deal with that well, why don't we just jump into that then? Uh, this the, the this particular letter starts in Revelation two verse twelve, and so let's kind of just look at these opening two verses where we see that that, uh, that challenge that commendation. It says, "Write to the angel of the church at Pergamum." Thus says the one who has the sharp, double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan's throne is. Yet you are holding on to my name and did not deny your faith in me. Even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death among you, where Satan lives. So in this passage, we're, we're reminded that, that, that there is some very colorful language uh, uh, that, that we found here. The, uh, the, the mention of the double-edged sword. Um, I think he also talked about, um, I, I'm looking at a scripture passage and I'm in the wrong book. So you guys, um, well, Chris, while you're looking that up, that mention of the double-edged sword, uh, what I was reading about this, the city, one thing it said about it was that it was allowed. It was one of the Roman cities that was allowed to carry out capital punishment. And so here's a city that's got that, uh, that little extra authority behind them to do that. Yet who's addressing them? The one who has the sharp double-edged sword. Yeah, and Jesus uses that to uh, communicate a strong message, doesn't he? Right. You may think you're powerful, but but, but I've got the double-edged sword. So we don't know the, the, the specific origins of the the location being called uh, where Satan's throne is. Um, don't know if that's a specific spot or place. Uh, we do know that there were multiple places of temples of worship of false gods um, in in this city, so we think that's a part of why uh, he called it. They uh, identified it as where where Satan's throne is. Yeah, there were. I mean, there were four major temples right there in Pergamum. So yeah, it was a, a big city for that. Yeah, and the Temple of Zeus, I think, uh, gets targeted a lot for that comment, just because he was the big daddy o, huh? That that's <laughs> that's very true. So on the positive side, on the plus side, uh, we have this church. Uh, you you have been faithful. You have held on to my name. You did not deny your faith in me. So this is one of the things that is Jesus commending the church for them stay, remaining faithful and not denying his name. Uh, I don't know that we talk about that a lot in Christian circles today, but um, th this this issue of uh, is something that Jesus raised and it's something that was a uh, uh, very new Testament that you don't deny me that you, you, you stand up for me. Um, so I think that that's a, uh, is commendable and something that we need to be reminded that we have a responsibility to do that as well. 
Yeah, and we need to look no further than this one example he gives of Antipas, my faithful witness. Um, we don't we don't know much about him, correct? Correct. But uh, wouldn't we all like to know that our church is so faithful and has raised up such a one that he would give his life for the faith? And, and what, I, what I find amazing about that, this commendation they're given for their faithful witness, yet when you come to the condemnation part of this letter, uh, just the, the fact that they've, they've been faithful, yet there's areas of compromise for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, verse 14, but I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to place a stumbling block in front of the Israelites, to eat meat sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. In the same way, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. So right there, we see two areas of compromise. Uh, Primarily, it's kind of tied to that teaching of Balaam and the teaching of the Nicolaitans. So we're back to two things that we don't know much about. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, We we don't know all of the details of the teachings of Balaam. Uh, One of the things that I did was, I looked at numbers 22 through 24, 25, uh, where we learn about um, the, the biblical character in the Old Testament, Balaam. Um, so when the Israelites were passing uh, through the wilderness, uh, the king of, of Moab, uh, Balak, uh, noticed this, this um, amazing large group of people and he was like, well, I've got to do something to, to thwart this, this oncoming uh, group of people. So he called on uh, Balaam to put a curse um, on the Israelites. So uh, in Numbers 22, that's, that's how we're introduced uh, to Balaam. Uh, Balak says, we know that when you do something, when you say something, it happens. So we want we we're asking that you put a curse on these people. Well, when when Balaam inquired of God about what he should do, God's response was, um, "This is my people. Uh, don't don't put a curse on them. Bless them. This they are my people, and and they're going to be a blessing." Um, so that's that's how he responds. Well, uh, Balak uh, will not be deterred. He he approaches Balaam multiple times to say, come on, man, do this for me. I need you to put a curse on these people. <laughs> right. And uh, every time uh, he refused to do it. Now, this is the story. This is Balaam is the guy who uh, the donkey talked uh, in, in, in uh, the Old Testament in Numbers 22. Uh, when uh, he Balaam was was riding his donkey to um go to Balak to talk to him. And uh, there's a, there is an angel before him with a sword and the donkey edges toward, goes toward the edge of the, of the road. And um, uh, that's, that's when we, we have that famous story of the donkey saying, Hey, I'm trying to take care of you. <laughs> it's never a good sign when we remember a guy because of his donkey. <laughs> That's probably true. It's a great story, though. Donkey's it talking. Is. It's kind of like uh, Shrek. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> what I want to catch, though, in this is, you know, when you read just those few chapters, numbers 22, 25, you get a good picture of, of Balaam. This guy, he's not going to speak 
against God's people. He's not going to do something outwardly like that. Yet what he does, as uh, and certainly as this letter kind of uh, alludes to, although he didn't speak publicly against God's chosen people, he gave Balak the way to compromise the people, to just try to entice them. You're not going to outwardly defeat them, but let's look for a way to do it through moral compromise, through spiritual compromise. Yeah, so in Numbers 24, uh, the, the, uh, the Israelites um, begin uh, to uh, become involved in sexual immorality with prostitutes of Moab and then begin to worship false gods, the false gods of the Moabites. So that, that that's that connection uh, that we're talking about where uh, evidently Balaam did something to point this thing, this out uh, to Balak and Balak um, and his people took advantage of that is what um, this passage alludes to, correct? Sure. And you're right. And it's all that idea of spiritual and moral compromise. He says, to, you know, to eat meat, sacrifice to idols, and then also to commit sexual immorality. Well, and the but, Lord's got a long memory, doesn't he? He does. <laughs> but let's go back. And I want to see the other area where he, he talks about where they've compromised. And that has to do with this, uh, this idea of the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Uh, Brian, yeah, so the Go ahead. Who are the Nicolaitans? Well, the Nicolaitans had been mentioned already, right, uh, in the in the church of Ephesus. So apparently this was becoming a widespread problem, an unorthodox uh, group who would claim to be Christians, but uh, certainly had deviated from the faith. So um, these guys, we don't know a lot about them, probably started from a guy named Nicholas. There are even some who've tried to uh, throw one of the seven deacons who had that name under the bus, but uh, I don't want to go down that road and get my deacons mad at me. (laughs) (laughs) And we simply don't know. I'm sure it was not that uncommon of a name. (laughs) And and what I find so relevant for us today is this constant pull for us and our culture to compromise to compromise biblical truth when it comes to issues of sexuality, um, gender issues. I mean, there's we, we could spend all day talking about those areas, but we are constantly yeah, pulled to compromise. That's right. And the word tolerance, which has, you know, become such an idol for us in our culture, tolerance of idolatry, tolerance of immorality. We say, see that in both of these groups that are called out here. So as we wrap this up, though, let's, we're going to come back to verse 16 to see this thing where God, as he's called him away from compromise, he does honor those with an uncompromising faith. This is what he says in verse 16. Uh, it is a, so repent, big exclamation point there. So repent. <laughs> Otherwise, I will come to you quickly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. There's that military image again. But let anyone who has ears to hear, hear, listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name is, is inscribed that no one knows except the one who receives it. Here is a picture of honor for those with uncompromising faith. Well, that word repent has uh, fallen out of fashion, hasn't it? Um, But if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. It's a word that we need to be reminded of. And I think that the whole issue of sexual immorality um, that, I mean, so you look at the Bible and you look at the revelation and it's a big deal here. And it's, 
it's a big deal through history and it's a big deal today. Um, the people just struggle so much uh, with these issues around sexual immorality. Um, it, it just doesn't get any better. It gets worse. And it's, it, 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 you would think that at some point we would get it. We'd figure this thing out, <laughs> but it just doesn't seem to be the case with sexual immorality. Right. And it seems like there was a time in my culture, at least in, from my perspective, in culture, yeah, I know I'm being sexually immoral. There's a recognition what I'm doing is immoral. It seems like today, no, we rationalize and justify our behaviors as well. No, it's really not. It's, it's not immoral. Uh, there's love involved. God wouldn't want me to do anything that would make me unhappy. You know, there's all sorts of ways we rationalize our uh, a compromising position. No shame, man. There's just no shame in this area. So it's a good reminder and a, a good reminder for our groups that we need to uh, to be those people who uh, stand for Jesus name, who do not reject him, who uh, hold fast to the faith, even in a, uh, in surroundings that are very sinful that we remain faithful to the lord um we need to hear his words of rebuke um in our world regarding sexual immorality and uh worshiping other gods one of the questions that we encourage our groups to consider throughout the study is so what are some ways are our church like the church at pergam uh, so we've for the first four three weeks of this study we've 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 asked that question at the end. How is our church like the church that we just talked about? So this would be something for us to probably talk about in our groups this week. How is our church like this church? And with that, I would also encourage everyone to go to that last page of your personal study guide to that live it out because as as you dialogue about the connections to our own local church, that live it out also brings it very home to me personally. Uh, that the challenge there to to pray. We live in a culture of compromise and be praying to evaluate ways that we're compromising. And even the big challenge in the live it out is to confront. If you know someone stepping into false teaching or compromise, lovingly confront that person. Well, there's a great challenge for us uh, to do more than just know about this church. How can we live out the principles God's calling us to live out? So we want to thank you for joining us today as we've talked about the church um, in, in Revelation, the church at Pergamum. Hope this has been beneficial to you as you um, prepare uh, for an opportunity to talk with your group or maybe after you've maybe you're listening to this after your group has talked about this topic. And hopefully this has reinforced some things that you've learned along the way. Uh, we hope that this is beneficial to you in your personal life and and for your group uh, we also want to take a moment to share some things with those of you who are group leaders or who uh, facilitate groups and uh, Lynn's going to say a few words and I think Brian's got a teaching tip for us sure now what I'm going to share for just a moment it's not going to apply to all of you but if you use what Brian works on the adult bible study resource uh, that the one that's for all ages or if you use the KJV adult resource let me just tell you about something that we have for you. And that is, it's a what we call it the group box. And in that box, it's got your leader guide. It's got 
10 copies of the personal study guide. Uh, see, it's got advanced or Hobbes. It's got one of those commentaries. It's got the leader pack in it. Uh, what I've discovered about this, because at our church, uh, Ken Braddy, who's our, our uh, handles our discipleship at Sunday school, he gets these boxes and it is easy to distribute. He gives a box to a teacher. Now, someone may need a few more extra books. He just needs a few extra books. It's very easy to distribute your materials to your class by just using the box. It's just a, uh, it's a one-click purchase and it's done. And actually it will also, uh, for your church, there is a savings. I'm not going to get the percentage right, but there's a significant savings just to buy the box as to buying the individual pieces. So if you use the adult or the KJV adult resources, just go to the Bible Studies for Life website and you can kind of check that out. Uh, how, so many personal, how many personal study guides are in those? There's 10. Good, good. Right. So and as I said, it's phenomenal. Watch how this has worked at our church. We have seven, eight, nine adult classes, and it is just makes it easy for him to get the materials to everybody. It's great. Good. good. Brian, talk to us. Like, share a tip with us. Yes. So a teaching tip, uh, I'd like to just give an encouragement for us to have an evangelistic emphasis in each of our classes. It's real easy for us to get comfortable with the people that we know and, uh, and, and overlook the importance of that. Um, but you'll remember that Sunday school as an organization was really begun as the evangelistic sure. arm of the church. Um, Arthur Flake specified that every teacher should have a prayer list of all lost for whom his class is responsible. So um, we should know who our group members are praying for. Uh, it's great if we start to um, remember those guys when they bring them up because they've been witnessing to them that, uh, that we've been praying for them and we get to follow along in that journey. And if our group members don't have an evangelistic passion for their family, friends, neighbors, and coworkers, a primary goal for us as teachers certainly ought to be to move them in that direction to build a culture right. of evangelistic expectation. And we don't have to call people out for not witnessing <laughs> if we're lifting up people who are witnessing. Right. And it just kind of becomes an expectation that that's what we talk about is uh, who we've shared the gospel with this past week. So that's my tip for this week. Well, appreciate that. You know, we just never know how God's going to speak or work in somebody's life. And uh, it, it is just a good reminder to always be prepared. Uh, we, you know, when that person, that, that spouse who is a not a believer happens to show up with their spouse who comes all the time, you know, to, to be able to help to show them what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to be prepared to share. This is how you, this is how you, uh, make a commitment of your life to Christ. Such an important thing. So thank you, Brian, for reminding us of that and hope that you who are listening will keep that in mind uh, in your groups. So again, thanks for listening to Bible Studies for Life podcast. Glad that you're with us. Hope this has been beneficial to you and hope that you plan on joining us again next week.